Greater Than Zero Percent is a 501c3 nonprofit that's on a mission to share stories of organizations from around the world that are changing lives. We have weekly episodes featuring amazing nonprofits and monthly episodes interviewing top business executives. You can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Thanks everyone for tuning in this episode. Today we have Liz, who's the executive director, and Micah, who is the outreach manager of Small World Yoga. Liz and Micah, thank you both so much for your time today. Thanks for having us. All right. So per usual, we like to hear and start with the mission statement of the organizations we interview. So what is the mission of Small World Yoga? I'll start with that. The mission of Small World Yoga is to quite simply create access to yoga. We believe that in connecting people and creating community, that that allows for just a a greater healing and opportunity for people to come together on the yoga mat. We'll get into that. And um, I'll ask some basic questions, which you're probably very familiar with answering, or maybe haven't been asked because they're so basic, just trying to put myself in the shoes of the listeners. Uh, before we get into those questions, uh, why both of you? Why is Small World Yoga something that you're, um, of course, the executive director of and outreach manager of and wanting to spend your time and passions towards? Well, for me, um, I started coming to classes, outreach classes that were provided by Small World and just them being accessible made me be able to make it to class. And it was just the draw of the community and the energy of this community that kept me coming back. And also just, it changed my mindset of um, just things that were going on in my life at that time. And it changed the trajectory of my life, which led me to now being an outreach manager here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, as executive director, um, I'm also the the founder of the organization and launched it in 2014. And for me, yoga had had a, an amazing impact on my life for the better. And Nashville, Tennessee here is my hometown. And I felt like there was a gap in who yoga was reaching in the community. And I saw an opportunity to really create access on a, a completely different level. And for me, that is, I guess on a, on a personal level, it was deeply fulfilling knowing that yoga could reach a lot of individuals who arguably might need it most. Yeah, and, and this is a, a few times it's been mentioned, access and accessibility. Uh, it seems like it's obviously a core part of your mission statement, but, um, how do you, how does small world yoga define access and, and why do you think there is a challenge in the accessibility of yoga specifically in your area? You want to speak to it? Yeah. Um, for me, um, when I started, I'm a young, I was a young parent. I have three daughters and she's like, I cannot afford to go to this yoga studio for, you know, $500 for the year. And the first class I took was a completely free class, which we offered through our outreach program at a bunch of parks, libraries um, in the city. And I started going to Mill Ridge Park and Emerson Pike Library, which were free classes. And that led me to come to the studio. And I was like, I guess I can spare, you know, $10 to go to a studio class. And it was wor- it was so worth it when I did. Um, and you, it's just hard to find affordable things, especially like being a parent or I mean, just really being a person today in the world, yeah. like trying to find 
affordable things um, that are good for you as well. Uh, so I think that's a way that we definitely create access by and also taking yoga into places. Like we're sending teachers into schools. Today I just taught at Robert Churchwell Elementary to a bunch of kids who the majority of them have never even heard of yoga. So that's another way, just like making it accessible, taking it into places where it's very untraditional prisons and schools and um, mental health facilities, hospitals, a bunch of different places. Um, so actually is a thick notes here. That's gonna lead me to my next question of, of you mentioning that sometimes people have never heard at least the youngins that you were able to, to do some yoga with. If, if an alien were to come to earth and, and you were trying to explain yoga to them, how would you explain yoga? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> and, you know, it, it comes up, I mean, maybe not in that exact context, but more often than not. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we do as an organization when we go out and we take yoga to these non-traditional settings and we truly meet people where they're at in their life. And that could be in a park or a library or a detention facility, a recovery center. And I think the simplest thing that comes across that we're sharing with these individuals is yoga is what you make of it. Yoga is a tool for so many wonderful things, for regulating our emotions, for simple fitness, right? Like breath work or cardio movement. But overall, it's um, it's that mental piece of it that I think people might not know on the front end. There's this ability to separate stimulus and response. And I think that's what so many of us are all after in our day-to-day -day lives of challenge in front of us, something happens, conversation goes wrong, something is not in our control. And what yoga is teaching us is the ability to pause, take a deep breath, and be intentional with our reaction or our action to move forward. And that's, that's the most powerful lesson that we can teach people, the, the physical piece aside. Wow. Um, I, that resonates with me because the times recently that I've done yoga, it, it, it does, what it provides me as an individual is, is the opportunity to take a pause. <laughs> and in this day and age, it's, it's uh, it's easy to, to put on, you know, an autopilot and look back and realize you've gone weeks and weeks without stopping or pausing. So, um, I definitely use it as the opportunity to do that when I'm not focusing on some really intense flows that if I don't focus on, I'm going to like fall over. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I could absolutely see that. Um, do you think that yoga is so popular in that manner because of the fact that not a lot of people have yeah. the opportunities, especially in the day to day with technology, with phones? um that that it's easy to to not take those pauses or, or I'm, I'm curious as to your perspective having done this since 2014 at least with smart world yoga of, of kind of the evolution of yoga over the past decade i think it's a it's a little bit of an interesting concept in that if you had asked me that question in 2014 i would say yes people are so oblivious to even their own thoughts and actions and that they they need to slow down and i think one of the silver linings to 2020 and the pandemic that hit when we were up and running and doing what we do i think one thing that we saw coming out of that and even in the midst of it when we were offering virtual programming to so many partner locations there became a heightened awareness of 
almost how busy we all were or are day to day, how we're so into our technology and so into our agendas and every minute of our day is scheduled even for, for virtual things. And I think there became a greater awareness as a nation around mental health and looking at humans as a whole being, whether that's like Micah spoke to like having a family at home or having self-care, things that are not just me doing my work to make a living, that, that we have other sides to us. And that piece of it, I think people are more educated now in 2023. Um, I think it's taken a little while to get there, but so often I think when people are now exposed to yoga or we come into a location for the first time, I'm just amazed at there's a receptivity that maybe wasn't there eight, nine years ago when we started this. No, no, that's, that's good to hear. I think, I think we need it. Um, so getting to the history of Smart World Yoga in 2014, what did the program, the initial programming look like uh, and kind of what were the communities or areas that you're serving? And let's talk about the, the progress over the past nine or so years. Yeah, absolutely. So it started really small. It was myself and I would say four or five others, friends that I had met through various yoga studios or gyms, just teaching around town. And I, I quite literally just sent out a blind email to a bunch of fellow yoga teachers and had them meet me at a coffee shop one Sunday afternoon and said, I have this idea and I'm really excited about yoga going outside the walls of these different studios that we teach at in Nashville. And I had done a little bit of groundwork ahead of that, reaching out to a few nonprofits that I had partnered with just as a volunteer, not even just teaching yoga, but like coaching youth basketball at one or going in and cooking meals at another and had found the programs coordinator at those sites and said, I teach yoga. I've been doing it for a few years and I have a feeling that your community here would maybe benefit from it. They might enjoy this. What do you think? Do you think you'd be open to a yoga teacher coming and, and testing this out? And so I had a handful of organizations that had expressed interest and I knew that I couldn't take that on all by myself. And if this idea and concept was going to launch and be sustainable, even on a really small scale, it couldn't be just me. And that's all it took. I had a few people that got on board. We started teaching and it, it was a slow grow, right? Like some locations were good fits. Others would struggle to get attendance or maybe the setting wasn't right and it was too loud or too chaotic or the wrong time of day. And there was so much trial and error and learnings in that first year or two. But we took in that feedback all along the way. And what we started to see was this ripple effect. Not only I was really worried about how were we gonna find teachers that were willing to give and donate their time. Uh, it was all volunteer work in the first five years. And um, I was really surprised at how many instructors, people I'd never known, people that were not actively teaching started to come out of, I mean, nowhere. I would get emails and like, hey, Liz, my name is whoever. And I've been living in Nashville for years and I'm a certified instructor. And I had never really been called to teach in a studio or a gym or timing wasn't right, but I have heard about what you all are doing and I would love to volunteer. I'd love to work with this population or that population or, 
hey, I already volunteer at this one site and I think they would be thrilled about it. Could we add a new location? And it was that kind of grassroots communication and then finding that coordinators at different sites would start talking to one another. Hey, we're getting yoga with this organization called Small World and you should call my friend over here and see if they could do it for your group. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> And, and both of them, like, it was, it was amazing that like, we've had kind of the, like a chicken egg model for a while where we'll have like a huge influx of teachers, but not enough locations. And then it'll swing the other way where we're trying to recruit teachers because we have a waiting list of locations. And that's so much of what Micah and some of our other outreach coordinators do is like really managing that dynamic as we have grown so much over the last eight years, nine years of doing this. But we're right now we're pretty even, knock on wood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, I'd love to hear some of the stories over the past nine or so years of the impact that you guys are tracking. Um, and maybe it's just some some partner organizations that you've uh, put these yoga sessions along with. But I'd love to hear some of the impact that you're that you're trying to, to share with listeners, trying to share with people that follow you that aren't instructors but are supporters of, of Smart World Yoga. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm curious about those. Yeah, I think, Micah, I think of you, you have, Micah has this, what I call a full circle story with the organization <laughs> of how she found yoga and then all the way to what she's doing with us today. Do you want to share how you found yoga? Know. Yeah. Um, I found it, like I was saying previously at one of the outreach locations, which was Mill Ridge Park and it was like an outdoor free class. And I was like, this is very like low cost. So I'm going to go and see what happens. And I started to just continue to come back. Um, I then was just like, how can I get plugged into this organization some kind of way? And I reached out to one of the teachers um, whose class I was going to. And she was like, do you want to be a teacher? There's a teacher training coming up, which we also lead teacher trainings here. And I was like, I don't know, but let me think about it. And I got an opportunity to get a scholarship for that teacher training. And that was in uh, 2020. Um, so I was, I mean, I was working in insurance and like just being a parent. And I was like, I have no intentions of being a teacher or anything. And I was like, I'm just going to take this training and see how it goes. And I love teaching so much at that point. I was like, I'm, I'm not very great at it at that point. I was like, I'm not great, but I want to see where this goes. Um, so now I teach at Mill Ridge Park, which was my first class. And that's my outreach or one of my outreach locations, one of my many. Um, I really love teaching kids and I teach at a bunch of schools as well. And um, yeah, I just, that it was impactful on my life, just having, like I said, that energy of being in the room with other people and breathing with them. And then these people also like, we didn't work out, but then they care about me as well. They're not just like, all right, I can't get out the door. We'll see you next class. Um, I made a lot of really strong connections and um, really close friends and people who now I consider family. And then crazy yeah. enough, I interviewed for a position and that one didn't work out, but Liz contacted me sometime after and was like, hey, we have an outreach position coming up because the team grew really fast. Like right now, uh, me and our leadership team are managing about 130 teachers. And mm -hmm. it goes up and down, but we're usually always somewhere around 100. And then that's also with about 60 to 70 partners. Um, where we're sending everybody. So it's just like all the moving parts all the time. But 
I really love it. Like truly from the bottom of my heart, love teaching and like being able to help other people do that as well. Yeah. I'd love to hear, um, so, so like what, when you were, say for example, you were bringing a yoga session to the youth or to a group that maybe has not experienced it before or in a long time, what are, what, what are some of the kind of words or um, sentences that they use to describe how it went after the, the session? I'd love to, because I feel like that adds into the, the fun experience and the impact that you're having. It's just the feedback you get from groups that have not done it before, no matter how old or young they are and kind of what is their, what is their experience of yoga? Yeah, I'll speak to one of mine and I'm sure you've got mm -hmm. some too. And I think that that's with something like yoga, the, from a research standpoint, unless you're doing a really like intense study, so much of our feedback is exactly that it's qualitative. It's how do people feel at the end of it? Or are they coming yeah. back the next time? And so, uh, for a number of years, I think for probably five or six years at this point, I've taught at one of our local detention facilities to the, the male population there. And I, the practice of yoga there, and for me teaching it is so rewarding because it's in the conversations that I'm having after the class or when these guys are coming back week after week. And I, I vividly remember one conversation from a few years ago where it was an older gentleman and he said, you know, I want you to know that we're doing this weekly and I have started to feel physically so different, so much better. I am on medication for arthritis, for anxiety, for depression, you know, the list goes on and on. And he said, I've started feeling so good after yoga and even like days after that I've started to take myself off some of these medications. And he was like, I haven't taken arthritis medication now in three or four weeks, you know, something to that effect. And I thought, you know, that's the magic. That's, that's like the secret sauce of what we're doing. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, that's as a teacher and as an organization, it just fuels what we're doing. It makes you want to go back and share it more and find others that could benefit in that way. Like that's real. That's like tangible getting off the medications, feeling better and not even knowing why or how it's occurring. Wow. How about you? Do you have any? Yeah. A lot of mine are kids. I teach at a lot of kids' places and like, I just laughed today. They were like, can you just be a teacher at our school? And I'm like, I don't think <laughs> But I've had kids um, who were like having behavior problems and like they'll bring them into class and they might be all over the place and something they'll just be like, well, actually, let me try this. And we'll go to um, one of the schools that I'm thinking of, went there for a few weeks and the child that had like a bunch of behavior problems, they're like, he's been more calm and like he'll use the breath things that you taught them or, you know, just different things that they can apply like, to their actual life outside of yoga. And um, it's really helpful, especially for kids like regulating emotions and even being able to hide behind emotion and say like, well, I came in class and I was sad. And I usually start off class like, what's your name? How do you feel today? And then at the end, how do you feel now? And usually the response is always like, I'm happy or I have a lot of energy or something and they can come in. I've literally had a child be like, I am angry. He did not seem angry. <laughs> I was like, I'm angry. In the class, I was like, well, how are you now? And he's like, I'm happy. There we go. Wow. This, the proof is in the yoga. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge impact. <laughs> like mm -hmm. in terms of reducing medications, changing moods, like teaching breathing exercises for exactly what you said, Liz, of 
of trying to minimize reactivity. Like that's, those are, those are all huge, huge, important things that, that are, that are uh, very hard to learn. Um, and there's not many opportunities to learn them. So it's, it's amazing that, uh, that you guys are providing this to them. Wow. Yeah. Um, I always find it a little ironic that there was a class in this program hall at the, the detention facility where I was teaching. And usually a little bit earlier in the day, they had had anger management class. There's a course that um, each of the inmates are taking there. And I thought, all this stuff on the wall, like that's, that's what we're doing. We're doing it right here. You're doing it like in the physical, like action of learning how to breathe, learning how to move through challenges. Like this is, this is your anger management course. Like yeah. look no further. Um, so well, over a hundred, it sounds like you said all over a hundred teachers that you've, uh, that you're engaging with on a, on a daily, weekly, et cetera, basis. And then you said 60 to 70 or so organizations that you've partnered with. Uh, that's, that's I feel like huge growth in nine years. I'd love to talk about future plans. Um, is the plan to continue scaling this or is a plan to, um, add certain more teachers or more programs or less teachers or less programs because it's a lot. I'm, I'm curious as to your vision over the next few years. Yeah, it's, um, I think we're in a really, a really sweet spot right now because we've had, we've had the full drop off from 2020 where if you looked back to April or May of that year, we were serving no one. The studio was closed. The every partner location had just shut down temporarily. And then we slowly started to come back from that. And then we've had, again, this exponential growth, kind of what I spoke to earlier, just around heightened awareness, people wanting to have yoga as part of their regular routines and uh, our studio space. We have a, a donation-based um, kind of typical yoga studio setting here in Nashville too. And we went through a big transition at the end of 2021, where we lost that space and had to build and start over and we opened in June of 2022. So we've been in this space we're sitting in for a little over a year. And so I think our main focus for the next few years is processes and systems and making sure that what we're doing is really of the quality we want to deliver that, you know, the yoga experience you receive here at a donation based facility or that we go out and we deliver outside or in any of our partner locations, that it feels as though you are getting the best of the best and the attention and care that you deserve as a, a human being. And it takes something to manage. I mean, as Micah knows, a hundred plus teachers and community partners that continue to grow at about 75 locations around town. And I think that that's it's really our focus as a a leadership organization as a staff and having a board of directors, making sure that we're taking care of our people, those that are in leadership positions and our teachers, knowing that they're not pouring from an empty cup. I mean, I certainly see this as a model that has the ability to expand and go to different towns and cities. We, we were definitely talking about that right ahead of the pandemic. And I think that conversation will come back around and we want to do it in a smart way and make sure that we're able to support new locations and the people that are managing the locations and the teachers um, so that we're doing work that feels fulfilling and um, yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get into the engagement piece and how people can get engaged. But one of the last questions I have is, is related to your current physical space model being donation based. Is that, 
Um, what is that model? Why did it come about? Has it been successful? Has it been able to support you as an organization? I'm sure people are curious about that aspect in case they were wanting to, to again, replicate a similar model. Um, but I feel like one of the concerns would be, are, are people actually going to donate um, or is that not necessarily the intention? Um, so the sustainability aspect of that donation-based model, I'd love to ask about. Yeah, it absolutely, you know, it's interesting. We've been, we opened our first space in April of 2018. And so prior to the pandemic hitting a couple of years later, we had a really good run to see like, could this sustain itself? Because as a, as an overarching 501c3, as a nonprofit, there is that flexibility that we don't have to necessarily have every single dollar that comes into the studio create profit for the studio itself, right? We have grants, we have donations, we have other ways to fundraise to help offset some of that. But as a board and as a, a leadership staff, we want the studio to be sustainable by itself. Because I think to a certain degree, then we start to question, well, why would we even have a physical space if it's just pulling money out of other things we wanna be doing in the community? And so, yes, it is profitable. I'm thrilled to say that we're still in that ramp up phase, having done a new build out and new space here, but we, we were profitable and right around that one year mark at our original location. And um, I think as much as anything, not only, you know, it's not only creating access in a different way with the studio, right? Affordable yoga right here. We request that somebody donates $10 to take a class. We have a couple of free classes on the schedule every week, but in general, most everyone is giving that minimum suggested donation of $10 and literally a mile up the road, we're competing with $38 drop-ins. Like that's not even in the same range for someone who's looking to find an affordable way to take care of themselves. So I think that we really look at accessibility in different ways with the studio space. And it's also an opportunity to reach individuals. You know, when you have a physical location, it becomes marketing and branding. If you're in a closed location, like a school or a detention facility or a homeless shelter, people in the outside world, unless you work in that organization, don't really know that we exist. And so you have the ability to sign up for a yoga class. If you live down the street, or maybe you're a student or working at the hospital nearby, it doesn't matter what, and come take a class here, just like any other gym or fitness or yoga facility in town. And suddenly we can captivate you and tell you about mission and a way to make an impact, whether that's volunteering, donating, getting involved on some level. And that's really you know, why we see the studio as an asset to what we're doing beyond just fulfilling on the mission of reaching people. Yeah. It also yeah. the home base, which is so important, right? We want our teachers practicing and filling their own cups is super important. Oh. Uh, small world yoga, why the name? That was another thing I wrote down. I forgot to ask in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't even really know where it came from initially, but I think you know, I was initially inspired by an organization that was doing similar work on the other side of the planet. They were in Nairobi, Kenya. And I thought so much of my own experience as a yoga practitioner and even as a teacher in the first couple of years began to feel like we were all connected, like so closely on some level. And maybe that's also living in Nashville in a place that I grew up, but it's like, 
at the end of the day, our work here is to not make it feel like we're all so different and alienated, but that we're all, we're all the same. And I think that that's at the heart of what we do. We connect people and we take a, a big ginormous world with millions and billions of people in a city like Nashville, that's growing like so much right now. And we do our best to make it feel small. We make it feel connected. We make it feel like you belong here at small world yoga or wherever we are teaching yoga. And so that's the, yeah, that's the reasoning behind it. Yeah. So people that are listening, listeners that want to get engaged, what type of engagement are you looking for? Do you typically look for and where could they find you? All the places. So (laughs) we've got this great studio space that's in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, literally steps away from downtown. We are at the corner of Edge Hill and 12th South in the Edge Hill community. We are all over Middle Tennessee. You can find us in parks, libraries, breweries, lots of public settings where yoga happens and you can just show up as yourself. Maybe you have a mat, maybe you'll do yoga in the grass on a beach towel, like we're here for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then I, my, my marketing manager, and she's speaking in the background saying, make sure you say the website, we're smallworldyoga.org and you can yep. this on Instagram at Small World Yoga and Facebook. I don't know, there's rumors of TikTok, but I don't think we've jumped in there yet. So. <laughs> And the other cool thing, um, and this is there's access through our website, but we've got probably a hundred plus videos on YouTube where maybe you can't wow, join us, yeah. in Nashville, but check out some of our videos there. It's everything from 10 minute chair yoga. If you're in an office or have any kind of physical limitations, kids yoga, yoga for all the different things. Wow. All right. Is there anything, and of course we'll, we'll share all these links too in the show notes and and when we tag and, and everything like that. But is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover or you want to leave us with before we wrap up this episode? Oh Either God. of y'all. <laughs> One thing I should have just mentioned it there, kind of in the marketing pitch, but in addition to going to some of these non-traditional locations, one area that we're growing in right now, especially as Nashville is this booming town for new businesses, is looking for community partners that actually helps support what we're doing. So partnerships with corporate businesses, we can go in and deliver classes there on site, employee wellness. And that is um, such a huge opportunity where, again, we bring yoga to you, but at the end of the day, you're also supporting this really amazing mission of yoga going into locations that might not have a full scale budget to do that. Alrighty. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We're honored to share the story of Small World Yoga and the impact that you're having in Nashville and beyond. Um, thank you both so much for your time and, and, and really honored to share your story. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Greater Than Zero Percent. To find more episodes or to have your organization featured on the podcast, you can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Find your cause with greater than 0%.